Hello, everybody. I am joined today by the boys, Sam Gotsi and Tanner Dislin. I'm your host, Keegan Turnbow. To everyone out there listening, thanks for tuning in. Today, we'll go to the diamond one last time, predict who's making the playoffs in the NBA's Western Conference, and punish Sam while making some picks for this weekend's games. Why are we punishing Sam? Listen and find out. Let's get into episode 16 here on Crunch Time. We're going to open it up with going to the diamond the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. The team with the worst record in the entirety of the playoffs won the World Series. They were under 500 at the trade deadline and trailed their division through the first 100 games. Tanner, let's get on the diamond. How did we get here? First off, it's kind of the nature of the sport, right? I talked about it a couple episodes ago when debating what is the toughest big four sport to win? And I argued baseball because of the seemingly random outcomes. Just a little stat for you. The wild card was introduced into the MLB playoff system in 1995. Since then, in only 26 years of existence, seven teams have won the World Series as a wild card. You can compare that to the NFL another big time big four that uses the wild card system. They've had it in place since 1970 and that 51 years of existence, only six teams have won the Super Bowl from a wild card position. So just the nature of the sport lends itself better to mediocre or, or slightly above average teams getting hot and running the table and making the playoffs. So this kind of, kind of begs the question of just make it in because crazy things happen. Even in recent memory, two of the last three champions, and depending on how you view 2020 in that 60-game season, the last two real champions of the MLB were NL East teams that the public was not high on, that seemed to be slightly above average, got hot, and ran the table. So this idea of just making the playoffs, just get there and crazy things happen, is big in baseball, and that's why... I think more so than any other sport, the trade deadline is so big in baseball. And you, and you saw it on display here this year again, because the fact of the matter is, as you said, Keegan, the Braves were 44 and 45 at the all-star break. They had trailed their division for a hundred plus games. Nobody really believed what the front office did. And they went out and upgraded that outfield that lost Ronald Acuna and really was starting backups until these new wave of guys came in and they went out and got Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, and Eddie Rosario. And they had a completely new outfield compared to other teams at the deadline where they went out and made a big splash, but they only upgraded a position. The likes of the Giants getting Chris Bryant. Granted, he can play pretty much any position, but still at any point they upgraded one position. The Dodgers went out and got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They got two guys and upgraded two positions. And the Mets went out and got Javier Baez, again, upgrading a position. But the Braves upgraded a unit. And that unit got hot and was able to lead this team to a World Series championship. It's interesting what talking about the wild card, its effectiveness in both the MLB and the NFL. In the MLB, with those stats that you said, seven wild card teams win the World Series in 26 years. That's, a, that's over a quarter of all eligible years for wild card teams. And then the NFL, it's just barely over 10% where a wild card team makes it. So that's a sizable difference, just over 10% to just over 25% of the time. 
That's a big difference. Yeah, and in real, I know the the Braves aren't a wild card team. We're in a wild card team this year, but yeah. they're the the quality of team and the record throughout the regular season was similar to that of a wild card team. So I felt like that was a that was a pretty good comparison there. They had the worst record in all of baseball in all of the playoffs. The playoffs, the yeah. playoffs, not all of baseball. With those trade deadline moves and then their playoff push. They unseated the Dodgers in route to a World Series appearance against the Astros. How did this World Series then unfold against the Astros? The Braves kind of su- surprisingly did what they've been doing all playoff long. And, and something that w- when I did my postseason prediction, I thought was going to be a glaring hole for the Atlanta Braves, and that was their pitching. They already were a team built to outscore you to out-homer you, to out-slug you, and the pitching just had to hold it enough. Losing Mike Soroka uh, halfway through the season as he was rehabbing that that Achilles injury hurt. They lost Charlie Morton in game one of the World Series to a broken leg and a broken ankle. The odds were really stacked up against this Braves pitching staff. And what did they do? They came out and in six games threw two shutouts, and four of the six games allowed two runs or less. And that thought is scary. Because going into the playoffs, and as I've said before, the lineup has always been there. The lineup is good. The lineup mashes. The lineup slugs. Is is this pitching going to be able to hold it? And that's why they won. Because the pitching was really good throughout the playoffs, and that lineup does what it does. And with all of that, you got a prediction right. Finally. The the, the MLB postseason was a little difficult for you. But when it mattered most, when the lights were brightest on you, Tanner, you got it right. I finally, finally got one right. Feels good. Feels good. (laughs) Eddie Rosario was the NLCS MVP. Who was the World Series MVP? The World Series MVP went to Jorge Soler, who himself out-homered the Houston Astros in the World Series. And this kind of goes back to the deadline that I was talking about. While other teams made big splashes, the Braves made smaller splashes but got better in a huge area. To put some numbers to that, Adam Duvall, midseason acquisition, led the National League in home runs. Eddie Rosario was the NLCS MVP, as you said. If there was an NLDS MVP, which they don't do, it would have been Jock Peterson, who homered two or three times to lead the Braves past the Brewers. And then, of course, Jorge Soler was the World Series MVP. So right now, of course, all the, all the credit goes to the players. This doesn't happen if Eddie Rosario doesn't start seeing the ball well and go off in the NLCS. It doesn't happen if Jorge Soler doesn't out-homer the Astros, as I said before. But this is kind of a moment where Alex Anthopoulos, the GM of the Braves, can go ahead and take a bow because he really orchestrated this and made this all happen when opposing executives and fans of the game and of the Braves were kind of looking at these moves saying, yeah, they got better, but these aren't big moves. They're minor moves. They don't really tip the scales for the Braves in the NL East and in the playoffs. And sure enough, they did. They certainly did. That puts a wrap on... The MLB season, the 2021 MLB season has come to a close. Now we're looking forward to free agency. We wait for March 31st to roll back around in 2022 for opening day. That's on the dime with Deslin for now. With that, we'll move over to the NBA where we're going to make our Western Conference playoff predictions. One through 10, play in game included. Sam, we're going to start with you. How does the playoff unfold for you? Kind of a surprising with the Clay Thompson injury, but I got I still got the Warriors taking the one seed in the West. Two, 
Um, I got the Lakers. I think they're off to a slow start, but they also have a bunch of new talent on that team, and they claim the two spot. Three, I got the Nuggets just with uh, Nikola Jokic and that supporting cast of Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, and Aaron Gordon and Will Barton. I think they claim three, four. Uh, I got the Suns with their big three and CP3, Aiton, and Booker, but obviously they need to figure out uh, how to get CP3 more involved in that offense. Five, I got the Mavs. Two words, Luke Doncic. That's all I'll say on that. So number six with a little bit of controversy, I got the Utah Jazz. Obviously, they were number one seed last year. But I just think the re- it has nothing to do with the Jazz. I just think the rest of the West got better. And that's why I have the Jazz at six, seven. I got the Grizzlies uh, with John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams. I think they get done this year and make the seventh. Eight, I got the Trailblazers. Uh, they've been struggling as of late, lost to 76ers without Joel, without Ben Simmons, and without Tobias. But I still think they get – they sneak into the playoffs with Dame Dalla running the helm. And then nine, I have the Clippers. I think just Paul George somehow gets it done. He obviously needs some help. And with the return of Kawhi unknown, I don't think they get that eight seed. So I got them in the playing game versus the Timberwolves. And uh, obviously with Cat D'Lo and another year of experience with Anthony Edwards, I think they sneak into the playing tournament and end up beating the Clippers. Okay. Here's my one through 10. At number one, I have the Jazz. I don't know how you're sliding them all the way down at six. Is that right? Yep. I get that the West got better. I get that. The Lakers are adding guys. The Warriors are getting better and don't even have Clay back yet. But Utah right now, they're six and one. They currently have the one seed in the West, and I think they hold it. They have one of the deepest teams in the league, led by Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. They have guys like Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. Not only do they have a bunch of great talent on their team, but unlike the Lakers, for instance, the talent makes sense. Everything works well in their offense. It's smooth. They have a great rotational defense led with Rudy Gobert in the center. I have the Jazz at one because everything they did last year, none of it's going away. Even though the West got better, the Jazz got a year older. Donovan Mitchell's better. I have the Warriors at two. I'm I'm pretty high on them. I like what they're doing. Is they haven't even gotten Clay Thompson back. The Lakers at three, I was tempted to put them lower based off of what their issues have been so far. All five of their wins have come up against bad teams, and whenever they've played good teams, they've lost. Yesterday, they only beat the Rockets by two. I think they eventually get it right, and I think they end up here at three. Nuggets at four, Suns at five, Mavericks at six, Trailblazers at seven. I have the Clippers at eight, Grizzlies at nine, and Timberwolves at 10. Even though, in judgment a little bit ago, I had the Pelicans as the team that missed the playoffs last year to make the playoffs this year. Without Zion, I thought the Pelicans were going to be better than they've been playing so far. We're about six to eight games into the season, depending on who you are. 
And the Pelicans have the worst record in all of basketball. They are not good. I'm not someone that's going to stick to a pick just for the reason of sticking to it. If I have, if I have an opportunity to change my idea because opinions can change, my opinion has thoroughly changed. The Pelicans are not making the playoffs. Yeah. You'll notice I, when I was judging that segment, I said, I thought the Pelicans would make the playoffs as well. And you will notice a team missing from my rankings <laughs> as well. Everything Keegan said without Zion, the team's kind of been a disaster thus far with new information, opinions change. And both of ours have, but Sam, I like it. I like it. Every podcast got to have a hot take, stick to your guns. <laughs> I, however, I'm going to side with Keegan on this one, but I do have the warriors at one for what you said. Everything everybody has said so far. Steph Curry's on a mission this year. Clay's coming back. Andrew Wiggins has done well over in uh, San Francisco. So I got the Warriors staying at number one. Number two is the Jazz. Uh, everything you said, Keegan, it's a well-structured team. Great depth centered around Donovan Mitchell scoring and Rudy Gobert in the paint, locking down that rim. Number three, I have the Lakers. Again, no new information here. Too much talent. I think they'll eventually figure it out. So that's why I got the Lakers at three. Four, I have the Suns. They're kind of struggling right now, but I think they figure it out. Sam mentioned they'll get Chris Paul more involved. They will figure things out. Too talented a team. Number five, I have the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic centered around him. Full season of Aaron Gordon, but a bunch of guys uh, as depth pieces. So, so I got the Nuggets at five. Number six, I got the Mavericks. Again, Luka Doncic, what else can you say? Again, him and Tim Hardaway Jr. are very good scoring, scoring backcourt. Christos Porzingis, is he going to be healthy? Who knows? Number seven, I actually have the Clippers here. Again, I, I'm not offering any new analysis here, but without, without Kawhi right now, it's been a struggle. Paul George will find a way to lead this team into the playoffs. I have them sliding into the seven. Number eight, I have the Trailblazers. Dame Dalla, he's made the playoffs for as long as, as I can remember in, in recent memory. He'll lead the Blazers there. Number nine, I have the Grizzlies, made the play-in tournament last year. Seems to be a, a pretty decent team, well-put-together team, and if they were in the East, I think they would be a lot higher than the nine. And number 10, rounding it out, I do not have the Timberwolves. I actually have the Kings here, and this is because the Timberwolves have never showed me that their two players can play many basketball games on the floor together. And I just can't put my money in that duo. I think one of them gets hurt, as they always do. And I think the team that slides up above them is the Kings, because I don't think it'll be the Pelicans. I don't think it will be any of the other teams in the West. So I got the Kings rounding it up at 10. If this was what actually happened, if one through eight, if that's what we had for the playoffs in your playoff prediction, which is the matchup in the first round that you're looking forward to the most in the West? So for all of us, which is the matchup you like the best? For me, I would have to go back and forth between the Jazz and Clippers and Lakers and Mavericks. That would be the 1-8 and the 3-6. and six. The reason why the 3-6, and six, that Lakers and Mavericks matchup would be really fun for me, is you have LeBron and you have Luka. Luka essentially does, it's a, it's a more European style of what LeBron does. He doesn't have the explosivity that LeBron had earlier in his career, but in terms of a holistic game, being able to get as many rebounds as LeBron does, being able to dish dimes out to teammates as much as LeBron does. Luca's a great passer, but he shoots a lot more. He brings that European style to the NBA. 
at that position. I really like that dichotomy between LeBron and Luka. I think that'll be exciting. And the Jazz and Clippers, the Clippers without Kawhi bounced the Jazz in a route to the Western Conference Finals. I think the drama there between those two teams would be interesting. And especially not knowing when Kawhi comes back. Does he come back in this season or does he wait, take an entire season to rest from his injury, from his surgery, or does he try and come back and make a playoff push? That drama there, not knowing when Kawhi comes back, Jazz, Clippers, I think that's a really interesting series as well. Sam, we're going to throw it to you. What would be your most interesting matchup? The matchup I'm most interested in, if everything pans out with my prediction, got to be the Nuggets versus Jazz. I think both of those teams have a tremendous amount of depth and they have a good group of all-stars. And I think that'd be just an interesting matchup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if all the key players in that, you know, for both those teams can stay healthy with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, and then, you know, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and all the guys that the jazz have that are somehow your six, that would be a really interesting matchup if that's indeed what did happen. Tanner? Yeah, so I actually also have uh, the Clippers Jazz in my playoff picture, but mine's a 2-7 and not the 1-8. Yeah. But you kind of explained that well. So I'm going to go a different route, and I'm going to go my 4-5 as Suns Nuggets. Yeah. We talked about how interesting the Nuggets can be, as you just said, with Jamal Murray on his way back, centered around a superstar in Nikola Jokic. But the Suns are kind of built – a similar way and that they have a bunch of good role players, a bunch of good shooters or not that Chris Paul is a role player, but they're centered around a superstar in Devin Booker. They, a, a second option in Jamal Murray slash Chris Paul, and then a bunch of good solid NBA players around them. Good shooters that can fill the court and make plays when the team needs it. So I think it's a similarly constructed team and a four or five matchup between those two teams would be must watch TV. Definitely. Breaking down these games, it all it's already making me excited for you know the NBA playoffs. Unfortunately, we have quite a ways to wait. To wrap up the episode, we'll make some picks. But before we do that, we talked about Sam being punished. Now, why would that be? You got to go check out our TikTok, because as I'm talking, Sam is currently stuffing his mouth with gum. The reason why he's doing that is we decided off screen, off air, the person every month who has the worst record for pickums in one given month will have to do a punishment. My record is 30 and 20. I came in second place, just barely behind me by one game is Sam at 29, 21, and Tanner leads us all at 33 and 17. So because of that, we asked Sam if it was okay because when we started, we weren't going to have this punishment thing going. Can we have a punishment? He was all for it. His punishment is for the entirety of Pickums. He has to stuff his mouth with gum and make his way through the segment just like normal. So we're going to see how this goes. Every month, we'll accumulate our scores, uh, our picks. And every month, at the start of the month, we'll have another punishment for you. So Sam, how are you doing, man? Oh, that's very good. So, Sam, I'll throw it to Shout you. Shout out, first. Big League Chew. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <good. laughs> 
Sam, I'll throw it to you first on this game. The first one we'll talk about is Auburn is traveling to College Station to take on Texas A&M. Texas A&M, they're favored by four and a half. You look really into it, man. Who oh, yeah. are you taking in this one? You know, um, I chose uh, my last uh, winner of the past episode was Bo Nix. <laughs> I think gets it done here in College Station. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awesome. I uh I I also have Auburn. Uh Bo Nix did a fantastic job against Ole Miss last week. Uh when when we were breaking down the game earlier this week, uh I said that Bo Nix pretty much did everything that we thought that Matt Corral would do. Man, Sam, you're really struggling, <laughs> struggling that, with that gum, man. Um, so I also have Auburn here. I think Bo Nix is going to lead them to the win over Texas A&M. Tanner, who are you taking? I tell you, I'm going with the home team here. I'm going with Texas A&M. The, the MO of Texas A&M is establishing the run and being a dominant run game. Isaiah Spiller is number three in the SEC in rush yards. And their backup running back, Devin Achain, is number seven in the SEC in rush yards. This is a dynamic running back duo and i think at home they're going to be able to control the pace of the game keep bo nicks on the sideline and put together long longer drives where the ball stays on the ground and tank bigsby and bo nicks will stay on the sidelines texas a&m will win this game at home texas a&m is favored by four and a half here so they are the favorites sam we're going to go to your home state where we have the arkansas razorbacks in fayetteville taking on Ranked 17, Mississippi State. Now, should Mississippi State be – should they be ranked at all? I would say no, but the College Football Playoff Committee chose differently Tuesday night. The Razorbacks are favored by five. Are you taking your home dogs in Fayetteville? Of course I am. <laughs> um, I got that. They're coming off a bye. They've had some tough losses against – um. Ole Miss, we saw in that heartbreaking fashion. Then we got a loss against Auburn. I think they uh, get done in uh, Mississippi State, and they come home with the dub. Woo, pig. Woo, pig. I'm also taking Arkansas. Sam, while we're waiting to get back to you, I think you should put some more big league chew in there. Uh, but <laughs> Tanner, who are you taking? I'm rolling with the Hogs here as well. I like them at home. And what you know about Mississippi State and Mike Leach is they love to throw the football. Everywhere Mike Leach is, he institutes that air raid offense. They have the most passing yards in the SEC. But what you might not know is that Arkansas has allowed the second fewest passing yards. Kind of surprising stat that, that I learned. And Mississippi State is the last in the SEC in rushing. So I think Arkansas is going to be able to stymie that passing attack and force Mississippi State to run the ball, which is something they have not done well this year at all. So it's a tough matchup for Mississippi State. I like the Hogs at home. We got Hogs across the board. We're going to switch over to the NFL. Browns and Bengals. Cincinnati's favored by two and a half here, coming off a loss to the New York Jets and Mike White. The Browns are also coming off of a loss, losing the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Sam, are you going to take your Browns, or are you going to go with Cincinnati here? Like you said, 
the Browns. Ah, shit. Uh, like he said, <laughs> like he said, the uh, Bengals suffered a very disappointing loss to the Jets, courtesy of Mike White. Ross thinks they have a bounce back game against a banged up Browns team. I think they get it done here. Tanner, who are you taking? I got the Bengals here as well. Uh, he mentioned the the injury problems in in Cleveland, and I'm also curious as to how that locker room is running right now. There's a lot of conversation about Odo, Odell Beckham Jr. and his lack of targets, and and um, vocal on social media about how, how he deserves a better target share, and and I think uh, some Cleveland wide receivers share that sentiment as well. So, the belief in Baker Mayfield, I think, is is going to is is a problem in that locker room right now, and and I think the Bengals have a bounce back game and they win this one. Tanner kind of touched a little bit upon it. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Bengals, first of all. Tanner started to dig into what's wrong with Cleveland and that organization. Sam, you're the Browns fan here. What can they do to fix the situation at hand and still salvage this season? Nothing. This season's <laughs> toast. It's an age-old problem in Cleveland. Where's the franchise quarterback? And just with everything going on, the Wide receivers don't trust Baker, and honestly, I don't think they should. He's been bummy this season. So, I don't – there's – I thought it was getting better, but really it hasn't. We're having the same old problem. But I don't know if you trade those wide receivers or if you keep ba- – and you keep Baker or do you trade Baker? Because there's not much – there's not much better talent out there better than Baker, in my opinion. So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. With, with Baker this year, uh, kind of the the story on him, his, his decision-making has been questionable at best, trying to force throws that aren't there. And then even when he does have an open wide receiver, he somehow seems to miss them. I know the really the, the game I watched the most from Cleveland was the Minnesota game, which makes perfect sense. And wow. there were – there were a few throws that would have put the game away to wide open receivers, and he just flat out missed them. It's it's not a simple solution in fixing what's going on in Cleveland. Thank God my Cowboys don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Getting wins with backup quarterbacks. Big things happening in Dallas. We're going to switch over to the NBA. We have the Jazz and the Hawks. They play on Thursday. Tanner, who are you taking between Utah and Atlanta? I'm taking Utah. We talked about how deep they are, the talent on their team. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, as good a, as good a guard duo as as it comes in the in the NBA. So I'm rolling with the Jazz. I just think they're too good. I also like the Jazz here. And you, when we're talking about the Jazz, you know, you have those key players that we talked about. They also have Bogdanovich. They also have Joe Ingles coming off the bench. One one through eight, they have one of the best rosters in all of basketball. Sam, who are you taking here? Are you riding the Utah train? Or are you going with Trigger Trey? Like in my playoff predictions, I am, again, not going <laughs> with the Jazz here. I got Trigger Trey going off this game. And I think another person to highlight is DeAndre Hunter. Mm. I think he's an underage young talent in this league. I think he performs well in this game. And I think the Hawks get it done here. Atlanta is also a team that's very deep. They should, they should make some big splashes in the East. And we'll be talking about them next week when we break down our Eastern Conference predictions for the NBA. Last game, as we wrap up the episode, we have the Knicks and the Bucks. This one's in Milwaukee. 
the Bucks are going to be without Chris Middleton for a little while, as Chris Middleton is currently working through COVID protocol. Tanner, we'll throw it to you first. Are you taking your Knicks? Or are you going with Milwaukee? Bing bong. The Knicks are here, baby. And I think the Chris Middleton being out is the definition or is the reason why this game goes to the Knicks. I think Tibbs will be able to create a game plan where you let Giannis cook because he's always going to cook no matter what, what game he's playing, but you shut down everybody else. And without Chris Middleton, their best number two scoring option, I think they're going to struggle to get points from people not named Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Knicks are just deeper. And I think they put together a more well-rounded basketball game. So I'm going with the Knicks here. Sam, are you going with the Knicks? Or are you taking the Bucks? I'm going with the team with the best player. And that is obviously the Bucks. I just don't see them slowing down Giannis enough to get the dub. And I got the Bucks here. I am a big fan of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I had him as the best player in the NBA. I do think that and currently continue to think that. But losing Chris Milton, losing your sidekick, the best, the second best player on your team, that hurts. And Milwaukee hasn't been great out of, out of the gate here to start the season. And I think they continue to have a little bit of struggle here in New York. The Knicks will be coming off of a game against the Pacers where they should get a win, bouncing back from their loss last time they put, they were on the court. I like the Knicks here. I like there's to be some bing bongs ringing around the arena, even though, unfortunately, it's in Milwaukee. Mike Breen pulled out a bing bong recently, and for good reason. These Knicks, they're looking very nice out of the gate. Before we wrap up, Sam, do you have any last words? How are you doing? I love gum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow. uh, You'll have to go check out our TikTok because we'll post some videos up there on (laughs) on what Sam has been looking like throughout this whole endeavor. It's been funny to watch. Sam, can you blow us a bubble before we go? No. (laughs) (laughs) We'll post a picture just for proof. Sam emptied an entire packet of big league chew. Kudos to you, Sam. You pushed it through and now we're here at the end. That wraps it up for today. Thank you all so much for tuning into the pod. We appreciate your support. The clock has run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on crunch time.